John Esperian, absolutely delighted to have you on the Purpose Led Leadership Podcast. We met in person at Leah Turner's party in Manchester this year. We, I've followed you for quite a while, always admired your content, and to meet you in person was an absolute pleasure. So for those people watching and listening, just, let's start with what you actually do. Uh, well, thanks for having me, Chris. Uh, yeah, I'm most known for being the relentlessly helpful LinkedIn nerd. So I help people um, understand how this huge place called LinkedIn works so that they can get a bit more visibility for their business and, and promote themselves in an ethical way. That That's what I'm known for now. Yeah. Um, relentlessly helpful is a good description, actually. Looking at your content, you 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 either shout someone out in a positive way or you, you offer advice or almost like a tactic or or a, a how-to. Um, is that your business? And do you monetize by yeah. doing that as well? Or? Yeah, well, it's for me, that's the basis of my inbound marketing is if I can be the most helpful person in my space, which right now is helping people get LinkedIn visibility, then yeah. it stands to reason that a small proportion of people will go, well, that free stuff was good. Mm. Uh, may, maybe the paid stuff will be even better. So that that's really the basis of my business model. And um, that's been working for me for yeah, a good five or so years now. No, I love that. I love that. And I think um, I think any good marketeer knows or even salesperson knows that by by serving others first, you tend to get something back. But I want to talk about the good stuff, but I also want to talk about a little bit about some of the, the what I would deem the more negative way that some people on LinkedIn approach their marketing. And there's been, I, I think there's been a lot of unnecessary trolling, parody posts, piss-taking posts, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff, and bringing people, other people down. You know, it's, it's, it, it's, it goes to the territory to, to an extent. But what's your view on that kind of stuff? Yeah, it's just that's just symptomatic of the whole keyboard warrior attitude that some people have towards social media. Like the, there are things that happen on social media in general, not just on LinkedIn, that if you were in the same room as someone, you wouldn't you wouldn't dare to, to, to think or do or act mm. out. You know, mm. uh, it's because we've got this distance between us. Yeah. That we think that we're some way protected to be able to, <clears throat> you know, try some dodgy tactics or, or call people out that we wouldn't we wouldn't do if we were face to face with them. So I'm all about trying to be as ethical as possible in my processes. And, and if I wouldn't like it done to me, I wouldn't want to do that to someone else. Mm. So if we can go back to that kind of golden rule of, of the way we treat each other, um, then then things would be a lot better. Of course, I suppose some of this comes from you look at the people seeming to have loads of success, you know, yeah. so it's either this perception that someone is an overnight success and mm. you don't take into account that maybe they've been hacking at it for five or six years before they get there. Um, or it's not really success at all, but you know, someone's rented a Ferrari for a day kind of thing. <laughs> and, and other people look at that and go, well, I want that too. And, and that makes them susceptible to doing, mm. doing the things that they wouldn't otherwise do because they think that that will somehow also make them successful. And that's just a path to being inauthentic and yeah. they're going to crash and burn most of them. Yeah, I'm, I, I think you're right. I think, I think even if you're the, the Dalai Lama or Mother Teresa, or even if you you are John Aspirin, in fact, you know, being being very um, kind to people, you're going to get flack. Do you get flack as well? Yeah, I, I have had a couple of incidences of that. Not too much, thankfully. Mm. Um, it probably would be a lot worse if I were a woman because they, they seem to get they seem to get the uh. bump on on LinkedIn. Um, so I, I don't get. You know, like I don't get inappropriate DMs, you know, people yeah. chatting and stuff. That, that kind of thing doesn't happen. Right. But um, 
but yeah, you know, I, I've I've had I've had people criticizing me before, like saying, "Oh, you're not really that helpful," and you know, "Why don't you put me on so and so list of experts?" And I'm like, "Well, yeah, I've told you, you know, if I curate a list of experts, it's my list of experts. I don't need people telling me that they no. need to be on my list, and how dare I not include them?" Um, so, so there are a couple of you know things like that, but in the grand scheme of things, it, yeah. it's quite minor. And because I spend most of my time on LinkedIn, which is inherently not an anonymous platform you know you do need to identify yourself whereas mm. on a platform like twitter you know people can create fake accounts ten a penny yeah. and, and all True. sorts of stuff happens there so i don't tend to spend much time on those platforms i'd rather use social media for just just nourishing business mm. conversations and, and building relationships there and, and therefore it tends to be a bit more respectful than on other platforms i mean i certainly agree with you about the in, inappropriate dms and women probably having a harder end of the bargain in, in that regard what, what else do you think women kind of are disadvantaged with in general then um well pr probably it's it's the perceived lack of competence i guess you know someone who's who who's who feels that they need to maybe put a doctor in front of their name so that they get a bit of respect whereas maybe a bloke might not even think that way mm. um and and so you're always fighting against that and of course we've we've all heard about things like gender pay gap and stuff and yeah there's just this perception that maybe maybe women are not as competent as uh, as men but you know everything i've seen is is to the contrary of that and some of my favorite people on linkedin are women in fact, probably most of them are so I, I i don't see those divides myself and, mm. and you mentioned you know doing shout outs for people that's something i've that was just an unexpected thing i came up with one friday and here i am more than four years later still doing it every week mm. i just thought you know if i could just shout out someone who demonstrates yeah good characteristics it doesn't really matter what line of business they're in no or, or which country they're in or, or gender yeah yeah just none of that is relevant yeah. it's just do they have a good heart and mind are they trying to do something positive in the world is there something that we can all learn from? Are they worthy of being in your network? And, and mm. yeah, that's that's where that came from. See, this really resonates with me. I mean, I, I've got loads of friends from LinkedIn, and I think you're going to be one as well now. But um, and, and a lot of them, I think the majority of them are actually women. And I, and I you know, I've been a leadership coach. I run businesses, and I, and I, I feel there's there's a there's a big misconception as to what women, what value women can add. But yeah. I mean, I, I think I think. What baffles me is that it's obvious to me that your genuine intention is to serve other people and help other people. But of course, there's a underlying facet around your business person as well and your salesperson, you, and you, yeah. you're doing it for commercial reasons as well. But I think I think you're doing it in a way that is that, that has a purpose, that is authentic, that is is adding value and is is helping others. So you shouldn't be criticised for that. But and I and I, and I I think I'm similar to you. But I think I think people can see someone like you and in and or myself as this virtue, virtue signaling kind of disingenuous person who's trying to, for, like, for example, I've done a woman's directory on LinkedIn and I got loads of positives and about 5% yeah. thinking I'm just this. So I think, I think sometimes you can't win, but I, th I, th I, th I think, I think, I think you can't, I don't think you can fake authenticity either. Yeah. Well, I think, I think you probably can for a while, but I think eventually you're going to get caught out. Like if you're, if you're not what I would call the same shape everywhere, like if you're putting out, posts that say one thing but mm. then you're a bit different in your comments or you're a bit different in your right. dms or you're a bit different on a zoom call or you're a bit different in person yeah someone's gonna go hang on that's not 
the person I thought you were. Mm. And if there's that kind of disconnect, I think it's easier than ever to spot that now because we're in right. so many different places. Yeah, yeah. And, and you'd like to think that eventually someone like that is going to, is you know, the house of cards is going to fall down if they're just faking it all along. Because it takes a lot of mental energy to kind of keep up this pretense of being yeah. a nice guy when you're actually not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess if you... You know, if I were being cynical, if you've got a lot of money and you can think, right, what is the persona I want to portray? And you can hire other people to, to say nice things about you and you can hire mm. other people to create good content on your behalf. Mm. You know, that there is a kind of facade that you can keep up. I just don't think it, it works yeah. forever. The on people that. who succeed tend to yeah. pick the thing that they really want to be known for and stick at it for long enough. And you've got to be patient to pull mm. that off. Controversially, uh, oh, it's not controversial, right? For, you know, I've, I've now got 70 odd thousand um, connections and I, I, I do a couple of million views a month. I'm doing quite well on LinkedIn and Instagram, TikTok. But I partner with um, a marketing branding agency and, and um, they interview me and they produce my content, some most of my content on my behalf. Yeah. Uh, and I'm recently I've seen some posts, not, not necessarily aimed at me, but some were around, well, you're not being authentic because you outsource some of that. I 100% wholeheartedly disagree with that being inauthentic because I feel it's it's just, you know, I'm, I'm sure Gary Vee and Stephen Bartlett don't write every single post themselves as well. So what's your view on that in in terms of, you know, the, the, the perception that unless you write your own content, you're, you're not authentic? Well, I, I spent more than a decade as a content writer, so it would be disingenuous <laughs> of me to say that you should never outsource your writing to someone else that, yeah. because that, that's how I made my living for a long time. Mm. Um, but I think you should certainly be in control of the brand that you want to put out into the world, yeah. and you're essentially instructing someone else to represent that brand as if it were you speaking on your best day. That, that's what you're doing. If you were to extend that by saying, okay, you can answer all of my comments and all of my DMs mm. and, you know, we can have an AI bot that actually right. Zoom calls for me or something like that. It's like yeah. that's that yeah. that kind of thing is going too far. Like if I think that I'm interacting with you in DM and mm. I'm actually interacting with a personal assistant, I'd probably feel a bit yeah. cheated if I found that out. Yeah. But in terms of creating the content, I think plenty of people probably do outsource that and that's cool mm. so long as you're clear about what you want to be known for and it, and it genuinely represents yeah. you yeah no and all the good marketing agencies are that's what they're paid for they're paid to deliver the exact tone of voice you would have but in in it may be a more of an enhanced and, and, and a more readable and resonating way perhaps yeah that, that's it it's, it's like i always used to say to my writing clients is my job is to represent you on your best day yeah and, and nothing more really it's not like if you've got zero personality i'm not going to make you sound like the most no. interesting person in the world because that's kind of like that's no. not really what but they're going to get when they but, deal but, with you but also in any event i mean if 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 if, if the content produced isn't you you get found you get found out anyway yeah you'd like to think so you'd yeah. like to think so so before we delve into getting to know john you know the, the man the the, the the legend on linkedin um <laughs> what um what are those post-its note for uh, what those posting oh, right yeah yeah these are um the members of my of my community so i've I created um uh, an online community called espresso plus at the start of 2022 for oh. people who wanted some ongoing support and so i thought well i should just recognize those people who are actually now effectively paying my bills so everyone mm. 
I move my camera, you can see the rest of them as well. Oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> um, all those people are members of my community and, and they're the people I deal with, talk to every day and, and you know, we chat yeah. in our group and it's it's all good. Can you do some stuff on Clubhouse as well? I used to do Clubhouse. I got really into it at the start of January 2021 when, when do you remember, like, invites yeah. were going for about £1,000 each or something? Yeah. And, it, you know, we were still kind of in that lockdown phase with COVID and, mm. you know, it was a really good way of actually not necessarily meeting lots of new people, but actually hearing the voices of people I was already connected with on LinkedIn and deepening yeah. some relationships. And, and some of those have lasted, you know, well into now. I don't actually use Clubhouse anymore. Uh, LinkedIn has its own audio. So I kind of like yeah. slowly moving towards that. But even yeah. that isn't perfect for me because right now those conversations aren't being recorded. Right, okay. And I always tell people, if you're going to create something, mm -hmm you got to think about what is ephemeral, you know, temporary, and what is eternal, something that's recorded. Yes. So, so something like this that we're doing, like a video and a podcast. Yeah, yeah. You know, someone could discover this in three years' time. Mm. Whereas a, a conversation on old Clubhouse or new LinkedIn audio, it's there. If you're in the room, brilliant. If you're not, it's gone forever. It's true. That, that's that's true. A, for me, that's a bit of a waste of my time because I'm, you know, quite busy running my community and other stuff. So. Good. So I ask all my guests the same question, uh, this particular question. Paint us a picture, the audience, of your journey since school today. And let's let's go, let's find out about you as a human being. Well, um, I, I studied, uh, I was good at maths and sciences at school. And so I didn't want to follow my mum's footsteps. She was a GP and she wanted me to become a doctor, but I was squeamish. So I thought there's absolutely no way that I can do that. Yeah. What can I do that I'm actually going to be good at? Well, well, I was best at maths. I used to be a mental arithmetic champion back in school, rather mm -hmm. out of practice now. So I ended up just studying maths and computer science at university. Didn't really like that very much. Yeah. But the, the whole computing side of it led me to doing software and hardware testing. So poking buttons, pulling right. levers and going, why yeah. is that broken? How does this work? And people coming to my desk going, you know, this modem's broken or this software doesn't work. How does this work? And I was ended up getting a long queue of people at my desk explaining how stuff worked. Mm. So, yeah, it's meant to do this, but actually if you do this and that, then it'll yeah. start working. Like, oh, brilliant. And I realized that that was the feeling that I wanted to have more of. It's like I was telling people stuff that they didn't know and they were going, oh, right, brilliant. You know, mm. why didn't someone say it like that before? Mm. When I eventually got made redundant from that role, I, I set up for myself creating content for others because oh, wow. I wanted to give those businesses the ability to show their customers how stuff worked. Mm -hmm. And that worked for a while, but I wasn't getting enough leads just naturally through Google. So I got onto social media none of social media worked for me and eventually i found linkedin yeah and that's where i started getting more leads and, and in the process i was learning how linkedin worked and then people were asking me oh, okay well you, you found out this thing how, how does that work on linkedin and how does this work and there's so many features how does it all work mm. so i ended up I like kind of moving towards explaining how linkedin works uh and then the for me the real turning point i suppose was in 2017 i was on stage with with mark schaefer who's my He's my marketing mentor. Oh, wow. He also wrote the forward of my book. Mm -hmm. And he was asking me a question like, how are you going to stay relevant in this market full of loads of options? And I, and I just said, without planning it, I said, I'm going to create relentlessly helpful content. Mm -hmm. And that was it. It's like that moment. Yeah. Never planned it, but that moment stuck with me. And that wow. whole idea of being relentlessly helpful, that's what I'd been all along. I was finding out stuff yeah. and explaining it to others so that they didn't feel stupid. And that's basically Brilliant. my whole 
my I whole think, identity. I, I think that what I've personally gained from LinkedIn is 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 not just followers. It's it's is I've built a an authority. I've built lots of clients. I've built my confidence up. I I, I feel as if I'm I'm I'm. I'm able to present and articulate myself. I think what I'm trying to say and what I find out about you is that what has LinkedIn given you aside from, you know, your client base and that kind of stuff? Well, it's where the most fulfilling conversations happen. It's where you get to know people online, I think. That's, you know, I haven't had that from any other social media. I haven't, you Mm. know, even though I've been on, I've been on somewhere like Twitter for, I think, 12 years now. Right. I haven't had any work from it and I haven't really developed that many relationships there. But I have mm. conversations on LinkedIn in the comments and in the DMs, and I use things like yeah. voice notes a lot and video messages. Yeah, absolutely. So I get to know people, and um, I mean indirectly, my girlfriend found me through LinkedIn. I was oh, doing wow. a podcast interview with someone about LinkedIn. Yeah. She listened yeah. to it, and then later got in touch with me, and, and yeah, that was that was a few years ago. So um, so yeah, you could say LinkedIn is responsible for my relationship. Um, <laughs> That's good. Um, yeah. I think I would say that even if I weren't being paid, I would probably use LinkedIn as a hobby for getting to know people and helping yeah, people understand it's, it's stuff. phenomenal for that. Yeah. Um, we've talked a lot about business. And you, you if I may say, you, you strike me as, as someone who's very good, very focused with the business and very good. But what's the real John? What, talk to us about some adversity. Talk to us about some of the fuck-ups you've made in your life and some dark, <laughs> some dark moments, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think um, I'm I'm going through a divorce, um, so that that's been ongoing for a couple of years now. Um, so that came through really the height of lockdown. You know, when you're cramped and living together and you can't go yeah. out, and that's like I think that's been responsible for the breakdown of a lot of relationships, and, sure. and that was the, that was the tipping point for us, um, which makes things difficult because you know I've got a I've got a 13 year old daughter who I'm now not living with, although thankfully I'm, I'm close to. So yeah, you know that that change of environment um, has been good in some ways. You know I, I'm able to be solely responsible for myself, and it means that you know I've lost some weight and I've got a new relationship and things mm. are good on that side. Mm. But on the other side, you know you, you get married, no one expects to get divorced, no one expects to be away from their kids. Um, and of course, there's a whole lot of uncertainty. You know what happens with financials? Yes, and and just just the whole COVID thing in general. It's like, will I actually have a a viable, mm. you know, business afterwards? You know, will I have to get a different job? Will I have to move somewhere else? Um, so yeah. so those those are some you know some uncertainties. Um, just in terms of other personal stuff. I mean, I was raised by a single parent all my life, right. uh, and and my mum was a what we'd call a locum gp so she used to move okay. around a lot yes. Yes. which meant that i went to seven different schools and therefore i didn't have a kind of there's not a, like a stable childhood friendship no a lot of other people had you know because i might be in a school for six months and then we'd have to move yeah so so you know those things have, have presented their own challenges i guess but um mm. i've um like you said i'm always pretty focused when i know what i want i can i can get my head down and get it done and um and yeah so i'm i'm actually yeah. in a better place probably now than than i have been for the entirety of my adult life actually um so i can't really complain overall that's brilliant what's what's your view on vulnerability now i've been described as the king of vulnerability which i think is a bit of a grandiose title and i, I think i think but what i'm trying to say is i think i think vulnerability is important but some people see it as again a virtual signaling thing just to get likes and comments but also yeah um 
I think there's a lot of it going on. You've seen the crying CEO, all that kind of stuff. What's what's your view on that kind of that kind of approach to social media? I think if if that's all you do, I think that's 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 probably going to be too much, or it's potentially just a cynical play. Yeah. If you don't do anything, like if you don't tell anyone anything about your personal life, and yeah. you're essentially just a robot who shows up and just talks about LinkedIn or logo design or, or whatever yeah. you do, yeah, that that doesn't open the door to anyone having some kind of emotional connection with you. And, you know, we all know that if you actually care about a person a bit, you're more likely to want to think positively about them or say nice things about them or refer them for work or even hire them. You know, you've got to have some kind of connection with the person. So if they're a bit too distant in their ivory tower and everything's perfect, or you just Mm. don't know anything about them at all, I think you're missing out there as well. Yeah. So both ends of the spectrum are not, ideal no and everyone has to really fall somewhere in between and where you fall is just is just where you're going to be comfortable yeah i've noticed linkedin has become quite selfie orientated what's your view on that yeah totally i think i think um i think linkedin is making a desperate ploy a play for gen z creators right they're trying to pull people over from other social networks, especially from Instagram, and therefore things will become more visual. You know, you might have seen these new image templates that got launched last week. No. Um, what are they? So, so that means that on the mobile app, you can um, you can start a post, and what would otherwise have been a text post, you can make it much more visible, visual with a load of pre-made templates. Oh, I see. Right. And, and you type your text, and it turns the thing into an image. That feels very Facebooky. Mm. Things like that, and also the way that they seem to be pushing selfie images, you know, um, those posts tend to do very, very well. I, I think actually because maybe not because of the algorithm, but because if you're, you know, if you're thumb scrolling on LinkedIn and you see yeah. someone's face, you're gonna stop. You're much more likely to stop than if it's a diagram or a graph or you know like whatever else yeah. or a quote. Um, so, so I think it's understandable why those things work. They don't mm. necessarily suit me as much. Like I'm not going to be posting selfies because <laughs> my focus is on being relentless yeah. and helpful. Yeah, I guess we have got to kind of ride the waves of it. Though. And I think I think I think that's a bit like life and business in general. Like I think you've done very well, and people do very well with a certain way. But also as well, I think like the advent of video, and I think sometimes you've got to, you know you, you have to adapt and change as well. You got to go. You got to go with it. Not I'm not saying we all got to suddenly post selfies, but now and again I do post a selfie on it. It's not because. Yeah. The first, if I've got, I've kind of got almost gonna have to do that, not in an inauthentic way either. But I, I feel that if every post is a selfie, you know, yeah, that's, that's probably a bit too much. I, I would recommend if I were advising a client professionally, I would say try and find the medium that's actually going to suit you best. So if you're actually a natural on video, then, yeah. then it's, well, why not just stick with that? But probably do yeah. it 80% of the time and leave the other 20% for dabbling with the other formats or, or like a new thing as yeah. well. Maybe I can play with that a little bit and just see what the response yeah. is. I mean, I'll take it back a little bit because like, I think if anyone wants to post a selfie every day, that's fine. I wouldn't necessarily judge them, but I, I think maybe internally we all judge people anyway. But what I do have beef with is is, is the posts that criticize other people's and judge other people's posts for engagement and there's a lot of people on there that, that, that post about other people's posts on a regular basis for engagement yeah well it's like everything you post everything you comment it is that says something about you who you're hanging out with yeah. what opinions you're putting out and potentially you're putting off a, a, a client you know if a client looks at that and goes you know instead of focusing on his own business yeah he's 
meddling with someone else's approach. Like, what business is that of his? I'm not going to work with him. And that guy never knew that that client was maybe about to sign a big deal with them. Mm. So just be careful with what you say. Um, And I totally understand uh, just the the last point about the, the whole putting personal posts out there. One of my colleagues, who I think you also met actually in Manchester, Niraj. Oh, yeah. He, he, a good he would often say to me that whenever I put out a personal post, it gets like 10 times the amount of engagement than yeah. when I put out something about sales. Yeah. And that's very, very tempting, isn't it? If you yeah. know that something is going to blow up, yeah, you're going to be tempted to put that out there. But if it's not actually telling a congruent story about what you want to be known for, mm. I think less is a bit more. That's, Rather that's than just great. going back to the well and just going, right, this yeah, one's going to work, this one's going to work. Dopamine, isn't it? You're adding value, right? A bit, yeah, it's a bit too much, I think. Just yeah. less is more. I agree. So thank you for touching on your divorce. And, um, you know, going back to sort of vulnerability, but mental health. I mean, how how's that been for you throughout your life? And how's that affected you through your, perhaps your divorce, that kind of stuff? Yeah, I think, um, I, I think I'm on a pretty even keel. Um, I am now that I'm now that I'm living on my own, I'm kind of going out for daily walks and, and spending right. time, you know, we've got lovely scenery here in South Wales. Mm. So, so that actually is helping me, um, you know, just, just rediscover nature a little bit. Um, and, and so, so that's good. You know, I, I listen to, you know, listen to music and listen, you know, watch my favorite films. Like I have a good, good relationship with my daughter, have a great relationship with my girlfriend and have a lot of support online from, from lovely people. I do make a point of making sure that I'm only around people that I say have good hearts and minds, you know, I'm not going to be around people who are going to give me headaches constantly. Um, And it's, it's one of, in fact, I'll read you out the notes that I've got in front of me because I've got three post-it notes on my Mac in front of me here, the same colors. And the first one is if it's not a hundred percent, yes, then it has to be a no. So that's Mm. me saying, if I'm going to do something, I'm really going to commit to it. And that means there's less that I can do, but the stuff I'm going to do is going to be really good. And then focus on what and who matter most, get the hard things done. Yeah, because I don't want to be procrastinating too much. So sometimes you've got to do the hard things first and and then the easy stuff comes later. Mm. And the last one is serve the good hearts and minds first. You are not a doormat. Because sometimes, you know, I I call myself relentlessly helpful. The cynical people looking at that will go, oh, he'll just say yes to anything and I'll just dump a load of tasks on his desk Mm. and, and, you know, he'll he'll, he'll sort it out, which which kind of probably used to be the case a lot more. Uh, isn't the case so much. I'm, I'm a lot better at saying no these days and, and making sure that the people I'm helping yeah. actually deserve it, you know, like good good hearts and minds. I think that's right. The, the, the ability to pay to for my time or not. No, I think I think saying no to someone or something is saying yes to you. And, and the, the, the vibe I'm getting from you is that you do have a lot of sort of measured self-esteem and self-love in terms of like, I think you, you, you've got to love yourself before you can be in a position to make these decisions. So although you're, although you're putting yourself second or you're serving others, that's also serving you as well, right? I think so. Yeah, I get a really good feeling from helping people. Like even if I weren't being paid for it, I would get a good feeling from helping people, Mm. helping them understand stuff they didn't know before, giving them those light bulb moments, seeing people's businesses flourish or seeing them do something that they wouldn't have felt confident to do before. Like if I see someone where I've given them some help, 
and then three months later they've gone and started a podcast or they've started a video yeah, series totally. or they've done something that yeah. they wouldn't have had the confidence to do that's a that's just a lovely lovely feeling so yeah i do I get a that. lot from it i love that i mean this is the purpose led leadership podcast and it feels like that you do have a defined purpose or that's part of your purpose around serving others so how important do you think purpose is and what is your purpose yeah it's it's well the purpose is to be relentlessly helpful so that i can give people those light bulb moments yeah. and i think it's important to have something in mind i don't think it's necessarily as important to tell the whole world what your purpose is but mm. i think you and your organization if you have one yeah should be clear about your purpose so that everyone is is rowing in the same direction however you want to put that um because you know there are going to be times where it's going to be difficult yeah and you might just want to toss your hands in the air and think well, what's the whole point you've got to have a point yeah keep you on on focused because you you know you never know another good day might be coming just around the corner mm -hmm. so having that purpose is important but it, i think it's much more important that you know and you're clear about what it is than necessarily screaming it to the world because if it's if it's clear to you and you act in a way that's in in accordance with that it matters it'll come out anyway it'll be yeah. obvious people yeah. will be able to look at you and go i know what he's trying to do I, i'm with him yeah you know or not because sometimes your purpose might be completely different to what other people want and that's also cool yeah because you can't serve the whole world and and i'm not trying to serve the, the world and there'll be people who because my brand i think i hope is quite clear you know there'll be people who don't want humor in their posts they don't want to see cartoons in comments yeah. uh, they don't want to see someone who talks about linkedin if they're much more interested in facebook you know so so there, there'll be people who opt themselves out yeah the clearer you can be the more people the right people opt themselves in and the wrong people will opt themselves out and those wrong people mm. you're avoiding headaches if you can help them opt out yeah you, you don't really that purpose is really valuable yeah, but you, yeah you, you, as you say you're never going to be all things to all people i think that's the case yeah. in relationships and business in life i think i think i think sometimes we've got this element of people pleasing too much or yeah. as an example we'll do a post and we get 95 percent great comments but as human beings we'll focus on the negatives that kind of we stuff latch on to the one person who said yeah. oh, i wasn't very good or that's yeah. totally wrong yeah, total, totally. So what's been your darkest moment? Uh, darkest moment. Oh, God, it's this is going to sound boring now, but it's, it's probably around the breakup of my relationship, I guess, because that's that's the major negative that, yeah. that, that has happened in recent years. But, um, you know, because business has been slow and steady and improving, and especially mm. in the last year, so I can't really complain on that side of things. Yeah. And, you know, academic life was 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 pretty good so so it's just that relationship side of things but even that you know there's, there's a positive in everything and i think we're going to be better off as yeah. a result of it in the long run so okay. I, i'm i'm the kind of person who does not and i've talked about this with my girlfriend recently i don't hold on to negatives like i, I and when i say i don't hold on to them i often forget them mm. so so if I were in an argument with someone, you know, there are some people who can just hold on to absolutely everything, yeah. and bring out those weapons at strategic times. Yes. Like, I, I can't do that. I, I can't, I tend to remember either neutral or positive things. Mm. And I think that's maybe that's some kind of deep seated psychological defense mechanism, but it's a, a positive, I, I think I, I, I look, I always look for the, the positive and I keep, I, I never give up and I always keep pushing forward forward so mm. you're asking me for what my darkest moment is it's difficult to think of something I, I always look on the positive and even bad things you learn from bad things don't you so so yeah. i don't see those as defeats or or, no. or 
bad things. They're just, you know, you, maybe you move sideways, but there's always an, a different path that takes you onto a better place. So, um, yeah, I, I, I always look at the positive. No, I think that's right. You know, even if someone's done the most heinous thing to you or, or, or you know, you, you know, I think you only get one life, you only get 24 hours a day. And I, I think if you're expending energy on, on why did he do that to me? Why did she do that or that? I mean, you're actually, you're missing, you're missing your life a little bit, aren't you? I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, you know, there's some value and some introspection. And if you just, if you yeah. were just so blinkered that you couldn't see anything bad happening whatsoever, then you're probably going to lead yourself down down the wrong alley. Um, but um, I think the people who just sit around and kind of ruminate on bad things, yes. those tend to be the people who don't actually get stuff done. And I like getting stuff done. I, I like action taking. Yeah. Um, and, and taking action actually is the most positive way of making yourself feel good. I think you're like, you feel like you're in control of your life. Yeah. You've got a plan. You do something. You take at physical or mental action to make something happen. It's, it, that's really restorative. And, and I encourage everyone to do that. That, that makes a lot of sense. So in the work that you do, you, you know, just, just, just tell us what, what, what are the sort of top two or three services that you do? Cause I, cause I get a sense there's an element of, I mean, Let's talk about coaching. I mean, I'm a leadership coach, and I think the word coach can get people people's backs up. Because they, and I, I think the art of coaching is so powerful in the right context. Just talk about that. Yeah. So for, for things like one-off services, I'll, I'll do one-to-one consultations or group training sessions for LinkedIn mainly. Mm. Although I, I do also help people with things like online content creation, personal branding, online visibility. It's yeah. mostly around LinkedIn. It usually comes back to that anyway. So those are the kind of set piece one-off services. Other than that, I've kind of dropped the the copywriting now. So writing yeah. for other people isn't a thing for me anymore. Uh-huh. So everything is now focused around this community, Espresso Plus. So that's a discussion group. It's a, you know, set of zoom calls every month. It's a video library mm. it's a podcast. So it's like ongoing accountability and support and private tips for people who just want to, yeah. to, to learn how to promote their businesses in an ethical way. So that's really the flagship that I'm, that I'm trying to get more people interested in. Although we've only got about 60, less than 60 spots left now. Cause uh, I've right. decided that my community is going to be, at most 300 people because I want to do everything myself. You see, I, I I don't like the idea of, although although I appreciate, you know, it works for you in terms of content creation, in terms of running a community, I want to know the people in this community, have one-to-one relationships with them. And I couldn't do that if we had thousands of people. No, no. So I've said, we'll have 300 people. And at the moment we've got just over 240. So when that fills out, that's kind of, you know, doors are full um, and and no one else can come in. So what kind of what pisses you off in life in general and maybe LinkedIn? Just what, what annoys you? Uh, I think what annoys me most is probably injustice. Uh, you know, the idea of being accused of something that you haven't done yeah. or the fact that someone could be perfectly worthy of doing a role or being in, in a place and yet somehow they're not accepted or they're not seen as being valuable. And I think, you know, just so more, so many more people have value than we realize. Yeah. Um, and I don't like, you know, when people talk down to waiters, waiting staff, for example, it's just, really? that's awful to me because that's one human being exerting some kind of power over another, but yeah, we're still yeah. human beings. We just happen to have maybe different jobs. Hmm. Um, so, so it's re- kind of respect, I guess <laughs> it, yeah. it is important. And, um, and I try and see people as equal and, and so Brilliant. gender differences, color, you know, all of that stuff goes out the window for me. I think probably a lot of people say that, but I, I genuinely try to, to hold true to that. 
Fantastic. We're coming towards the kind of like sort of towards the end of, of, of this. Um shout out five people that you that you if you don't mind that you respect and admire on LinkedIn. Oh, okay. Well, uh, some of the, my favorite content creators who, who pr produce genuinely helpful stuff. Um, you, you might know some of them. Someone mm. like Richard van der Blom is, is, a, is a, like a data scientist, a bit like me, really. You know, he digs into the analytics. Yeah. Uh, someone like Andy Foote as well, who's a real yeah. uh, LinkedIn expert. Uh, one of my favorite video content creators is Gillian Whitney. She's, she makes videos easy peasy. Mm. Uh, so she's a member of my community. Brenda Meller is a LinkedIn trainer, probably one of my favorites in the USA. Uh, so what's that? That's four people. And yeah. I'll, well, I'll give a shout out to Claire Carroll. She's also a video content creator here in the UK. It's her birthday today. So, oh, fantastic. Um, so yeah, she's a member of the community as well. But there's, there's loads of really, really good people. And actually, like I said, I don't really care about what people do. So, you know, you've asked me to celebrate like LinkedIn uh, specialists or, you know, LinkedIn content yeah. creators. But there are people in all sorts of industries. There's people in B2C, B2B. Sure working for themselves, working for employers. Yeah. So many good people out there. And mm -hmm. um, I, I think if you open yourself up to more conversations, you, you'll meet so many nice people on LinkedIn. It's not the, yeah. you know what? So many people say, it's a stuffy, boring place. And I say to them, the platform is not stuffy or boring. The platform mm -hmm. is just software. Yeah. <laughs> it's the people that you interact with totally. that determine whether it's stuffy and boring. And if it is, you need to interact with different people. There are loads of nice yeah. people. And you'll have good conversations if you find them. Any other kind of insights as to what might be happening on LinkedIn in the future so that we could benefit um, from? Well, the, the, the big new feature that's being rolled out, I haven't got it yet, and I'm not sure if I actually started public rollout, is... Um, is what's called carousel posts. So you'll be able to do a mix of images and videos at the same time. Oh, wow. So you'll be able to upload, like you can go image, video, image, image, upload them, ah. and it'll stick so, them all together for oh. you and present them as one video. Okay. So that, given that the, the, the history of LinkedIn is, they come up with an idea, they release it, it gets a lot of traction very early. Gets yeah, big, and it goes. And then it might, it might die away so if you're the kind of person who could do with a bit of extra visibility look for yeah. the features coming online test them early you'll probably get good right. visibility um i was disappointed that the stories didn't last what about you yes uh i think that was good although it's a shame they were only temporary you know there's no way of storing them beyond 24 hours That's true. There's, yeah. there's been talk of them coming back but to be honest i think this new feature this new carousels right. feature right. potentially could be a way of interesting yeah. stories in your feed you know if you oh, do a yeah. 20 second video and then an image of you know you're mm. in the park or something and then you do another video later in the day you upload them all it sticks them all together automatically Quite and cool. essentially you've got a story that does stay in the feed forever you've got so actually that it could that that could be the the evolution of stories so look out bet, for that you can bet someone like instagram will probably try and copy that then because it's they wouldn't look like that would they i don't think well maybe not but uh yeah it sounds like an interesting one but i don't think anyone's no. actually got it yet it's still in beta are you a one person that's a one platform person then or i do you know what it's probably 90 percent of my time is spent on linkedin i still i still look at twitter yeah and i still have like i've got presences on other platforms just to avoid someone stealing my name but all of my business comes from LinkedIn and all of my right. best relationships are there. So, so yes, mostly it, it's LinkedIn for me. So just a couple more questions. Um, what's the sort of biggest mistake or mess up or fuck up you've made? 
Whew, uh, uh, biggest mistake, biggest mistake. Probably, do you know what? It probably is not taking advantage of the internet sooner than I did. Because I, I was using the internet when I was starting university in 1995. Right. And if I'd thought, like if I'd engaged my brain, <laughs> I'd, I'd have thought I could make my own website. I could, yeah. I could make an email list. I, you know, I could do yeah. all sorts of things that other people wouldn't have had the technical capabilities to do that I did. I just didn't see the opportunity. So mm. I could have had a 10 year, well, easily 10 year, maybe 20 year head start on some people. And who mm. knows where I'd be now if I had. So, so it's probably not seeing an opportunity when I could have. What, what, what do people misunderstand about you, John? What do people misunderstand about me? Um, I think I'm, I'm fairly clear and open and honest about the way I turn up. So I, I'd like to think that people do get me. Maybe, maybe people think that I'm m much more wildly successful than I am. Cause I know that some people will put earnings out there. And I, I know one of my, one of my colleagues was like, I can't believe you're not making, you know, 300 K a, a yeah. year from your business. I was like, I'm not, I'm nowhere near that. Yeah. Um, maybe because I'm not as money hungry as some people are. Sure. Um, I'm much more interested in kind of being known for being relentlessly helpful. And that, yeah. and that probably means that I'm leaving money on the table. So, so maybe some people think that they're talking to a millionaire here and they, they really right. aren't. <laughs> no. But I think, I think you can't really put a price on, 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 on how you feel about what you do. Right. I think that's, that's what I'm getting from you. It's, is is that purpose is it's your, your yeah, living. I enjoy doing it. So, so the money doesn't really matter. Obviously I want to pay yeah. my bills. Um, but I'm not a money chaser. And if I were, I think it probably would be, I'd mm. probably come across differently if I, if I were. Yeah. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure before we, before we go, I know you gave us kind of three snippets halfway through, but what would you like to leave the audience with? What would I like to leave with? I think the power of the thing that I'm known for LinkedIn is all about conversation. So if you can start more conversations with people in the comments and in the DMS, you, you will get better results from that platform. And if you can spend a bit of time thinking about what you really want to be known for yeah, and commit to doing that thing over and over again, mm -hmm. the thing that you would almost the thing that you would do as a hobby, if you could, if you didn't have to be paid for it, yeah, that thing you want to be known for and just keep reinforcing that message because, you know, people are never going to remember you if you're trying to be known for 17 different things, just okay. not going to happen. If you're known for one thing and you keep turning up in the same place, eventually mm. you'll be too good to ignore. So and that's the whole point about LinkedIn, just to kind of finish that point off around. I mean, I, I, can't, I come from a sort of hardcore, make 100 calls a day, outbound sales environment. <laughs> Last three or four years, I'm completely, I'd be there. And now it's like people don't need to ask what they do, they already know. And that's the point of it, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. John, absolute pleasure. Really, really glad. And also, you're only over the bridge. You must go out for a beer or coffee soon. Well, I'll be in yeah, that'll be a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me, Chris. Enjoyed it. Cheers, John. Cheers, buddy. The Purpose Led Leadership Podcast is sponsored by Vincherry, the recruitment operating system used by over 20,000 recruiters worldwide. I chose to partner with Vincherry because I'm a customer and I love their modern rec operating system, a single tech platform to streamline the front, middle and back office operations of executive search, perm contract and temp businesses. If you're looking for a breed of new tech partner, talk to Vincherry. They have followed us on support with seven offices around the world. Check them out at vincherry.io forward slash Chris O'Connell for an exclusive offer for all listeners.